Do you manage a sports team for a school or athletic organization? And do you need help finding qualified vetted coaches? I'd like to tell you all about my sponsorship called Coach Corner. Check it out at www.coachcorner.io, your hub for premier coaching talent. Also, are you an athletic coach of any level looking for your next coaching job in your area? Check out www.coachcorner.io, your hub for premier coaching talent. Coach Corner is a network of coaches and teams growing rapidly across the U.S., and their only goal is to help teams find coaches and coaches find teams. And now, when you sign up to partner with Coach Corner as a coach or athletic organization, if you enter referral code DOME, D-O-M-E, all caps, you will be entered into a rolling raffle for free Coach Corner swag and cash prizes. That's referral code DOME at www.coachcorner.io, your hub for premier coaching talent. Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. It's uh, This is a very special uh, episode because if you're listening to this pod, you get to hear my new sponsor called Coach Corner. I had Andrew Zesser and Jordan Leonard on for my last episode that I did before I went on my little spring break. And uh, guys, thank you for willing to partner up with me. And uh, I'm very excited about the sponsorship. And um, I'm also continuing my sponsorship with Brain Fuel. And uh, I am back. And the guests tonight are just me, myself, and I. It's just me tonight. And you know what? I actually kind of don't mind it that way. So I don't get to have an annoying my annoying um, co-host Jordan Goodhart all over me and try to boss me around about the Lakers and his annoying rant about the Tennessee Titans. And I don't get to hear any other guests out there who continuously, you know, think that uh, they think they're all that just because they won a bet over me. <laughs> taking uh, a play, uh, taking the Eagles minus seven and a half, whatever. And they think they're all that, but I don't know. That's a subject for another day. I'm going to get into the podcast featuring me, myself and I tonight, and uh, we'll maybe get some guests later this week. So um, I have a lot to discuss and uh, I want to, I want to ponder on something here as a critic and as a Laker fan. I'm getting really fucking sick and tired of Anthony Davis always having to just say after a game, my bad, my fault for fucking up because there are flashes. I try to full on love Anthony Davis. There were times earlier this year where he was playing like a top five to seven player or when he went up against Giannis and Embiid that one time, and when he was having that great stretch in January, and when he was playing well the other week against, like, Dallas and Memphis. Like, not this, not, like, Dallas, like, back when it was at Dallas against Kyrie and Luka and against Memphis. And there were times where I was saying, okay, he's poised to carry this team. 
without LeBron, who's probably going to be out for uh, the rest of the regular season, according to Brian Windhorst. I, I doubt that he's going to play before the if they make the play in, which I still am very unsure of at this point. But the point with I am trying to make about Anthony Davis is that game the other night against Dallas at home, he made three crucial fucking mistakes that really pissed me off. And this comes to show you that I never seen a superstar constantly take blame that much after a loss. And, you know, he's had so many times where he's had to own up to it. The first fuck up he had was that Maxi Kleber, who's not been a great three point shooter. Anthony Davis fouls him and the Lakers had that game won. Had they won that game, they'd probably be within the sixth seed right now because Golden State's reeling on the road and we can never be unsure about Minnesota. And this was the golden opportunity for them to at least get close to being in the actual playoffs. The first mistake Anthony Davis made was he fouled a three-point jump shooter, Max and Kleba, who's not been that great from three this year, only shooting at like 35%-ish, and he fouls him. I mean, that's that's common sense. You never foul a jump shooter shooting a three. I don't care what it is. But I give Maxi Kleba credit. He went straight to the line, and he made all three free throws. The second screw-up, which, I mean, Anthony Davis was available, like, during the play, but I kind of blame this a little bit on Darvin Ham for, for not getting most of his free throw shooters in there. And they got to Anthony Davis. And if he had made two, then Dallas would have be playing for a tie and not for a win from three. But Anthony Davis, who's an 80% foul shooter, he made the this mistake against Boston earlier this year where he had a chance to ice that game against Boston. And he, and he missed two free throws and the Celtics hit a jumper to go to overtime. He, and he made that miss and he made this mistake against Philadelphia against Joel Embiid and company where he could have made free throws to ice the game uh, and coming back from a nine point deficit with under a minute left again at Philly, he could have won that. And there was this game where they had a golden opportunity to go up three, missed the first, made the second. If you look at Anthony Davis's stat line before that point, he had 26 and 10, but, and he made six or seven free throws, but that one free throw was, was ultimately led to the next possession. Now, I don't know what Anthony Davis was doing with that sort of, with in that sequence. He was, it's simple knowledge. Just follow your man. And the Lakers tried to blitz Kyrie Irving to get the ball out of his hands and they were doing a good job of that. But then Anthony Davis was thought that Kyrie was going to shoot with two men on him. And so he was under the basket and Kyrie had the wide open Maxi Kleba and Anthony Davis made a, a late rotation. And I give Kleba credit. He hit a three pointer and Anthony Davis took blame after that. And Sunday last night against um, the time I'm recording this podcast, which was, to, which is Monday and the game the Lakers last played was Sunday night against Orlando. Uh, the Lakers needed a career night 35 from an undrafted 
second year player in Austin Reeves just to win. The best player on the court last night were not the two number one picks. It was not Paolo Bancaro and it was not Austin and it was not Anthony Davis. It was Austin Reeves, an undrafted second year player. And he's been great. I mean, he he's he's been great all year. And I think he's better than what Caruso was. I think he's a better all overall all-around player than Caruso was, better three-point shooter, more polished of an offensive player than Caruso was. Caruso was a more physical defender, but Reeves has a smarter IQ. And this is why I like, like why LeBron loves playing with him. He's very fearless. But the point being is Lakers shouldn't have to get only 15 to 10 from Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis should be more than that. He should be 30 and 15 on a nightly basis. And that's what pisses me off being a Laker fan right now with Anthony Davis is his inconsistency. There are times where he could be dominant and he could be like in the ranks of Giannis and Embiid. He has, he could be a top five player on a lot of nights, but there's also some nights where his motor runs very low and even when they won that game against Toronto, that game I was at, which was not too long ago in LA, Anthony Davis had eight points that game. Eight. And yeah, they won, but you you can't have Anthony Davis only score eight points and just win like that. That's not sustainable long term. And I struggle that this that to contemplate if Anthony Davis is truly the man for the job here. Long term for this Laker team, and I, I, Bron. There's been rumors about their rift because LeBron does not love Anthony Davis's. Has not been full on committed ever since they won the bubble, won the championship in the bubble. And I don't know what to make of Anthony Davis right now. I mean, source of mine said they're still kind of close, but I mean Anthony Davis was rightfully pissed off. When after when LeBron broke the all-time scoring record against Kareem Abdul, broke past Kareem's record against the Thunder back in February, Anthony Davis was on the bench frustrated, and Anthony Davis was saying, "Yeah, I'm happy for LeBron, but I'm pissed because pretty much the game plan was to get LeBron the ball on every possession, and it was a big game, and the Lakers dilly dallied against a team they should have beaten." And I get Anthony Davis being upset, but show it. Show that you want to win this. Show that you want to take the Lakers to the promised land. Honestly, I'm sick of Anthony Davis saying, oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. No, bro. It's got to be you. You have to lead us to the promised land to at least make the play-in. And he, there are some nights where his motor runs very, very low, and it frustrates me. Yeah, he had a – you look at a stat line against Dallas, 26-10. Well – he had Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell guarding him. And he had 15 and 10 last night against Wendell Carter Jr. I mean, what is this man doing? And this is what bothers me as a Laker fan. I need more from Anthony Davis. And he is not produced at a high level. And the Lakers have had many opportunities in games they should have won. They should have beaten a Knicks team without it's not all Anthony Davis's fault that the Lakers are barely on the cusp of making the play in right now. Anthony, uh, they, they should have beaten a New York Knicks 
less Jalen Brunson at home. They should have beat, they should have had Anthony Davis play. And that was a big issue. They would have had Um, the fact that they decided to rest him on a bad second night of a back-to-back, which I found just absolutely wrong on a lot of levels. If he's healthy, you play him. And that was a major screw up. And it, it sucks that they don't have a big man, a solid big man without, without, um, Mo Bamba, and unfortunately, they lost to a Houston to one of the worst teams in the league in the Houston Rockets, and the loss against Dallas. Yeah, they that even though they beat Orlando, that loss against Dallas really stung. They would have been a game out of six and then a three way tie with seventh place, but now they're barely on the cusp of making the play in, and this team is very much improved, but they have not lived up to the high expectations that a lot of people had when they trade away Russell Westbrook. Part of it's due to 80s inconsistent play. Part of it is due to the fact they don't have a solid big man without Anthony Davis, even though I like Wendell Gabriel a lot. He is very undersized for his position. And I don't know what I'm going to expect with this team. And it's all going to depend on Anthony Davis's mental health, being mentally engaged in every game and being physically right, because we all know he's fragile. And a buddy of mine said this the other day, he's always disappointing. And you know what? I can't help but to, but to agree with him on that front. So that's the end of my Anthony Davis led Lakers rant. And now we move on to, to uh, something else because I, I don't want to bombard you guys with Lakers talk. So I promised myself when I'm doing this podcast and for my new sponsor, Coach Corner, only one Laker topic. So that's it for that front. Now, I do want to talk about this story that's you know kind of been thrown under the wind this past weekend because of March madness and there's been a lot of stuff in the news with that. And, but I want to talk about this story. That's kind of, it's kind of not getting talked about as much. And I feel like it should. And, and it's regarding Michael Jordan. So there's a report according to Adrian Woj, Woj, Woj or Woj that Michael Jordan has, is, is selling his majority stakes with the Charlotte Hornets and is now going to be is going to be a minority owner pending on how things turn out and 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 then Michael Jordan's in serious talks to sell his majority stake and look I'm not going to you all can debate we all can go on this debate on who the greatest basketball player is most of the people in America think Michael Jordan's number one. I personally, for those that know me very well, I think he's number two, but that's a subject for a whole other time. The consensus for most pundits, almost everyone on Twitter, everyone in the world, is that Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player ever. But that's just the general consensus. But I'm going to be honest here. And this is not me criticizing Michael Jordan as the player. This is not me criticizing him as a person. I don't know him as a person. Um, 
you can say what you want about him as far as what happened in the last dance documentary in regards to how he treated his teammates in regards to what he was with the media. You can criticize a lot about Michael Jordan. I'm not going to get into him as a person. I don't know him as a person. He seems like a cool dude. Loves playing golf. Fun fact, my brother actually played on his golf course. He didn't meet his airness himself, but my brother said he has a great golf course. So, but that's a subject for another time. The point being about Michael Jordan and this is that it shows to me that Michael Jordan does not want the huge spotlight to be blamed on for the Hornets at the time Bobcat slash Hornets struggles. Because out of his tenure with the Charlotte Hornets, They've made the playoffs three times since he's been with the been the majority owner. Three. And his playoff record is three and twelve. Three and twelve. And people can say what they want. I'm gonna be honest here. He's been a terrible owner. And you you could have seen this coming because in Washington he did select Kwame Brown with number one overall pick and he organized this roster and then he jumped right in and then he took to play with the whole, with the wizards. And then what happened was it didn't work out. They missed the playoffs back to back years. And then he unceremoniously was fired by a Poland at the time, the wizards owner. Uh, so that was that. And then on the other front in regards to, um, in regards to his tenure with the Hornets. I, this shows to me that, look, I'm not a Skip Bayless fan, but he has a theory that I kind of can concur with. The greater the player you are, the worse of a team builder you are. And I liken this in a sense to John Elway uh, when he was with the GM of the Denver Broncos, when he was my opinion, I think he's one of the five greatest quarterbacks to ever throw a football. But if you look at his track record uh, before Peyton chose to sign on with Denver, when he fell out, when it fell out of his lap, when Peyton was cut by the Colts, John always struggled to pick a quarterback. He struggled mightily to find a consistent quarterback and he's and he still struggled now. And we don't know if Russell Wilson's the answer. The point gets back to Jordan is that he selected players that didn't turn out great at all. I mean, he selected Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Bismack Biombo, Frank Kaminsky. I mean, he passed on guys like Dame Lillard, Bradley Beal, Giannis. Kawhi. He took Kemba over Kawhi Leonard. And I give him that. Kemba was a hit, but Kemba's not better than Kawhi Leonard. He's not. And Kemba is is borderline on in the league right now. He he's I think analog looking at college to, to see the best college players, and he thinks they're automatically just going to be great. And like Adam Morrison was with 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 uh, Gonzaga, and he thought Adam Morrison would be a great NBA player. Nope. Nope. He was not. He was a bust. 
it show goes to show you the greater the player you are, the worse of a team builder you are. And Jordan does not see that. And I think that he sees the Suns finally settled on him and his tenure with the Charlotte Hornets is kind of fizzling out. And look, you could say I'm being too harsh on Jordan or whatnot. A lot of people are going to say, oh, man, you're so freaking hard on Michael Jordan. You're just doing this because you're a LeBron lover. No, I'm not. I'm not a Jordan hater. I'm, I'm an honest person. And look, it just goes to show you that that Jordan, as great as he was, I think his talent, in my opinion, has succumbed to the fact that he needed people around him to be successful in a team manner, in an organizational manner, in a playing manner. I mean, what as great of a talent as Michael Jordan ever was, it was all about hard work. And and he's one of the hardest workers ever. That's what Kobe Bryant's work ethic was mimicked after. It was mimicked after Michael Jordan. And I give Jordan this. He's a hard worker, but and it's the all-American dream of a of a talented basketball player who worked his ass off to be where he's at. It's a great American underdog story. But what was he? I'm gonna ask this question to the audience. Before Scottie Pippen came. How many playoff series did Michael Jordan win? One. Did Michael Jordan win a ring before Phil Jackson took over for Doug Collins? No, he did not. Jordan's a great basketball player, but he needs people around him. He needs organizational structure around him. And Charles Barkley... You well, I I'm not the biggest Chuck fan as far as being in the media, but I will say Charles Barkley's on to something here when he said that Michael Jordan's surrounded by too many yes men. Maybe that's contributing to the fact that he only won three total playoff games in his time with the Charlotte Hornets. And his the first two playoff series that he's had, they got swept both times. So I mean, it's just writings on the wall here. He's doesn't he needed or people surrounding him out on the court to be successful, and he needed in the organizational room, and and people can say, well, oh my God, it's all on that. No, it should have been Jordan. He should have. He should have been more. Yeah, I wish he would have just list been around people that told him what was right and what was wrong not just yes men surrounding him that's all my two senses of michael jordan with his time as the charlotte hornets owner and look i'm very excited to see the movie about his shoe air starring ben affleck and matt damon i'm sure that's going to be a a surefire hit to say the least i'm big fans of both of them but i am just i just really think that we should just Look at the facts here uh, surrounding Michael Jordan as the owner and what he was before Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson came along. He needs pieces around him to be successful. And we can't discredit the pieces that helped him become the basketball player who he was.
That's all I'm going to say here is if you're going to criticize LeBron for the pieces surrounding him that may help to make him successful, then what would Michael Jordan be without successful people on the court and off the court? He would have successful people off the court that told him what to do in the organization. Maybe he wouldn't have been selling his majority stakes. So that's my two cents here in regards to Michael Jordan. And I'll leave the whole GOAT debate out of this, even though LeBron James is the GOAT. But that's a subject for a whole other time. Okay, now I want to get into, into the – from the hard court to the gridiron. And I want to talk about two quarterback situations. One of them is – a trade that's pending to be approved, the Aaron Rodgers Jets situation, which I'll talk about in a second. But I want to talk about Lamar Jackson, first of all. And Lamar Jackson, I'm not the biggest fan of because I've criticized his past play. And one of my friends who's a Baltimore Ravens fan has criticized me. And one of my best friends currently at home just destroys me by wanting to by by pretty much bashing Lamar Jackson. I'm not a Lamar Jackson hater. I think he's an ultimately talented quarterback and I think he's ultimately skilled, but the fact that he tries to do everything himself. His agent is his mom, okay? That tells you what I need to know. And I hate how star athletes think they can just speak what they want and do what they want and not have secure representation you need like a mark bartlestein you need or a drew rosenhaus or Lee steinberg to tell you what works what you're worth you need that and someone that's honest and for lamar jackson to seek like the full-on maximum contract and to turn down a hundred million dollar deal i think is just beyond childish to me i really do and i i think it's just it's the reason why nobody is interested is that I guess it has to do with, with the fact that he's securing like the most massive deal that's, that's, that's exceeding Deshaun Watson, what he got with the Cleveland Browns because Deshaun Watson's deal was enormous. It was huge for Cleveland. That's and Deshaun didn't even want to go to Cleveland at the first, at the time. And that's really what that was. And the NFL owners, in my opinion, kind of want to like say after the Sean Watson deal, they want to say, I don't know about that. And it's not what the NFL owners want due to the CBA. And I think now that you're seeing below average quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins receiving that huge, massive deal that he had a couple years back. And I think they're just trying to say no. I think it has to do with the CBA. I do think, I do think it has a, a, a thing to be a part of it. And I just don't like how Lamar's going about it on Twitter, responding to what he would negotiated with. And it's also that's a big red flag for owners out there that you think you can just say what you're worth on Twitter that you could confirm like the negotiation deals on Twitter and think that you can, you had having your mom as your agent is going to solve things. 
No, no, that's not how this works. It's not how it works at all. I mean, look, I think Lamar's an extremely talented quarterback, but is he worth the maximum price that he really wants when he turned down that big deal, when he was sort of holding out, but not really in practice, but wasn't going full all out, was kind of somewhat paying attention to meeting room sessions. That's not really going to get it done, man. And that's what Lamar Jackson is thinking in his head right now. He's thinking that I'm worth. And I get it. it. He may think he's better than Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson was just coming off of a full year, year not playing football, almost two years not playing football. And he thinks that, bless you, I'm sorry about that. And he thinks that he can just get this whole deal. No, he cannot. And unfortunately, that is a big was a major problem. And I was reading some teams of the teams that might be interested in Lamar Jackson. The Tennessee Titans are a name to look at. And that is sort of interesting because they just cut an O-lineman to clear up cap space. And the Tennessee Titans, I could see being a good destination for them. Um, mainly because they the Mike Vrabel needs a quarterback to maintain that division. And they just... And I don't know if they trust Malik Willis and they don't really love Ryan Tannehill for, especially after the rough year he had and the injury he dealt with. And they started Josh Dobbs in that quote unquote playoff game to get into the playoffs over Malik Willis, which tells you what you need to know about that whole quarterback situation. I think that could be good. I Maybe, but and the Atlanta Falcons, people were saying that could have been a decent option, but I, I, I but they, but they're very unsure. Uh, but they are going to go with uh, Desmond Ritter and maybe draft a quarterback. And another wild card for Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, I think maybe there are some rumors about the Minnesota Vikings about how they could be in effect and they don't know if they can win with Kirk Cousins. I mean, I don't think anyone can win with Kirk Cousins in big playoff games and they barely even won those games convincingly last year with Kirk Cousins. That could be an option. And maybe the New England Patriots maybe could be an option, which I've read, but, and there were some reports about them maybe getting DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, maybe if they get DeAndre Hopkins, maybe they can get Lamar Jackson. But the point being, I really don't see why Lamar Jackson thinks he can just turn down and go for a massive deal and th- and think he can just get away with this with not full-on representation. You need a middleman. You need someone that's going to be clear and be straightforward and honest with you. That is the negotiator between the GM and the player. You need that middleman. You need that agent to just calm you down and to say, stay off Twitter. And that's what Lamar Jackson lacks right now. Now I'm, 
now I'm going to talk about the other quarterback, the quarterback that I've been very critical of, Aaron Rodgers. And I just got to say this straight up before I tell you what I think of him on the New York Jets. Assuming this is going, this trade will get approved. And assuming what the Jets are trying to get from Green Bay and what Green Bay's asking price is for the Jets. Look, I'm just going to say straight up, I really think Aaron Rodgers, how we handled that whole thing with Pat McAfee and how he handled all, how he's handled everything. I think he's being, he's just confirmed what I've always thought of him. I think he's a blame deflecting, attention seeking diva. That's what I think of Aaron Rodgers. And I don't like how he had to go on Pat McAfee and just rip everyone and just try to act out. And this is what he did before when he was with Green Bay. Whenever he says, oh, I'm going to leave, I'm thinking about it. Green Bay had to beg, beg for him to come back. And unfortunately, Green Bay was saying, I'm pretty, we're pretty much tired of what Aaron's trying to do. And that's what Aaron was sounding like. And to be honest with you, I really don't blame the Green Bay Packers for him just trying to think that he, and and just taking all the blame off him and saying like, uh, he should have done this. And I, he, they, that the Green Bay didn't sign the guys he wanted and they cut guys that he want that he wanted back. And he was very upset about them. And then he had to call out the Green Bay and blame them on the Pat McAfee show, which I found really obnoxious. And then he said that his intention was to play for the New York Jets. And it was pretty obvious the signs that he was going to be a New York Jet when Al Lazard signed that four-year, $44 million deal with the New York Jets. And unfortunately, the Jets are begging, are doing whatever they want for Aaron Rodgers. And he's like the quote-unquote unofficial GM. And, And that's really what that was. And my thing on Aaron Rodgers and to the Jets, I think they'll be a good team, but it just depends on how if Aaron can stay healthy. But do do I think they're going to be a great team, a contender? I don't think they'll be a contender. I think they'll be a borderline playoff team. I think they'll be must-watch TV. They have, they have Garrett Wilson. They have, they have, they, and they just, and they still have Elijah Moore, who could still play. Denzel Mims, he's been hit and miss, but he could be pretty good. They got Brees Hall. And they have some talent on defense, obviously, with Sauce Gardner being ranked the number one cornerback. Or pro football focus and they have all talent in the world but it's like a really hard conference to win in and they're not even going to be their favorites in their own division the buffalo bills are still there 
and the Miami Dolphins with their pickup of Jalen Ramsey, who I really like. And we cannot sleep on what New England's going to do. And the AFC's top heavy with the Chiefs. Can't count the Chargers out. And in the AFC North, we don't we we cannot count out Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. And I just don't know why people are all of a sudden just hyped that the Jets are going to be great just because they got Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be almost 40 years old. And he didn't have statistically a great year last year. He's also been hurt, was dealing with injuries last year. And they were starting to think of that. And that's why the Green Bay decided we're going to go with Jordan Love before this gets ugly, similar to what they were doing with Brett Favre. They got a they got rid of him a year before the total decline. So they they just went with Aaron Rodgers. So that's pretty much what Aaron said. His intention was to play with the Jets. And now they're waiting on dra- on trading and draft compensation. And the Green Bay, and pretty much, unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers has leverage in this case because Green Bay, they keeping Aaron Rodgers, they're gonna it's gonna be a fifty million dollar cap hit, and they have to get rid of him to clear up cap space. So Aaron, unfortunately, has all the leverage. Congratulations, Aaron. You held another team hostage again. You did it again. The self-blame-deflecting diva you are. So that's pretty much my two cents with Aaron Rodgers and how he's handled it. And I don't even think the Jets are going to be that special, in my opinion. Hey, Jordan, you want to hear a fun fact? Uh, sure. Caffeine involved in a coffee bean with some of the greatest antioxidants on the planet. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Let, let, let me cut you off right there. I wasn't done. You see, green tea, another great source of caffeine, evolved with an entirely different set of antioxidants as well. Is this another brain fuel ad? Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, I mean, well, in that case, brain fuel takes the best of both worlds without the roast or heat that may reduce potency and increase toxicity. It support, it's supportive blends of fuels, antioxidants, and brain-boosting additives create a new paradigm for the effective delivery of caffeine. Not to mention, it is the best-tasting drink I've personally had in a while. To support the heroes who push society forward, challenge the status quo, and initiate a better tomorrow, by providing them with the fuel to actualize their best self. If you want to help support our podcast and try Brain Fuel, use code DOME for 20% off your order at brainfuel.com. That's code DOME, all caps, D-O-M-E, at brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N-F-U-E-L.com for 20% off your order. Now to cap off this show, I'm going to give you the best, in my opinion, the best free agent winners and losers of this offseason. Three winners and three losers of this offseason. The first winner, in my opinion, which is the obvious, which I think is the easiest winner, is the Chicago Bears. What they gave up to trade the number one pick to get DJ Moore which was one of which was probably the my opinion the best move 
because they did all that for a wide receiver who was number three in target share. And he was with quarterbacks from Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, and Baker Mayfield. This was the best trade the the wide receiver the Bears could pull off. They've looked for a consistent wide receiver ever since Brandon Marshall got traded to the New York Jets. And they finally have that wide receiver that can work at a high level. They also got Tremaine Edmonds, which I thought was really good. And they got Dante Foreman from the Panthers as well. And they got Robert Tunyon for a one-year deal and Travis Homer for a solid backup for, um, for Khalil Herbert. And I thought that was an excellent trade, what they did. And Ryan Poles shows is showing the bears organization that I'm the right guy for the job and the jets. They, they did well as well with the Aaron Rodgers trade. I think they're a playoff team. They got Alan Lazard, and they still have that defense, and they got Brees Hall coming back, and I, they're not a Super Bowl contender. And they, but then, but I do think that with the Lazard pickup and with the Aaron Rodgers trade that's pending, they can be a playoff team. And my third winner, in my opinion, was. I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders because I think Jeremy Garoppolo is a better fit than what the Raider for the Josh McDaniels and what Derek Carr was, because I think the Ra- the Raiders are kind of implementing the Patriot way with getting Jacoby Myers and getting Philip Dorsett. And they re-signed Josh Jacobs on the franchise tag. They did lose Darren Waller and they did lose Foster Moreau, but I they still have Spillane. They still have then they did get Marcus Epps and they still have number 17 Devonta Adams who might be the might be the he is a top three at worst receiver in football right now. I think the Raiders are going to be very good. And it just depends on if that defense can make the big plays. And they still have Max Crosby, and they still got Chandler Jones, but I think with with Jimmy G coming over, you have a quarterback that's less prone, turnover worthy, and I think the Raiders could be that team to make into the playoffs next year, in my opinion. Now, some of the losers of this offseason, low-key a loser, in my opinion, are the Philadelphia Eagles. And yes, they'll still be good, and I like the Rashad Petty pickup. But they and they did re-sign Jason Kelsey, who's kind of on his last leg, and they re-signed Bradbury, and they got Slade back after getting relief after almost getting cut. But they did lose Miles Sanders, who had a very good rushing season, one thousand yard rusher. You did lose, you did also lose Marcus Epps. You did lose C.J. Gardner Johnson. You did lose a lot of key pieces on your team. You've lost Javon Hargrave. And that defense that was a staple for them all year and Hargrave's departure, they're going to take some major lumps. And I don't even think they're going to be the best team in their division anymore. I think that's going to belong to the Dallas Cowboys. And a team also that I think had a really rough offseason, in my opinion, were that were the Los Angeles Chargers because 
they weren't really made to be like huge players in my opinion. I mean, they did lose Taylor. They did lose. They did lose Kyle Van Noy. They did lose. They did. And they didn't get anyone that great. They did have, and they may lose Austin Eckler with the trade. And unfortunately, I don't know if they're going to take that next step. Like I thought they would. And they lost Drew Tranquil. And there's going to, there was more that they're probably going to lose in my opinion. And to to be honest with you, the biggest loser in all of this, in my opinion, were the Balt were in my opinion, the Baltimore Ravens. I think are the biggest loser, and it depends on if what they're going to do with Lamar Jackson, the fact that he might be gone, and otherwise they're going to be handcuffed here, and. They lost Clayus Campbell. They lost Josh Oliver. And they don't have that consistent number one wide receiver. And they don't know. And I don't know if there will be a playoff team next year, even with a healthy Lamar Jackson and with their defensive losses. I just, and if they're not going to make an upgrade wide receiver, and if they might trade Lamar Jackson, then what's the point? I think they're on a team. I think they're on the massive decline here. And John, John Harbaugh is not going to have a lot of room to work with. So I listed the three winners, which were the Bears and the Las Vegas Raiders, I think, are a winner. And, oh, shoot. I only said two. The, the three winners, in my opinion, were the Bears the Ra- the Jets, and the Raiders. Oh, I said three. Bears, Jets, and Raiders. And the three losers are the Eagles. And then it, it was the Eagles, the Chargers, and the Ravens. Those are the three losers. All righty. That concludes my first episode with coach corners my sponsor and thank you guys for listening to another edition of the off the dome podcast hope you have a great day and a great night and go get them